Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today from Stellenbosch is the Dean of the Faculty of Science at Stellenbosch University, Professor Louise Varnick. In addition to her academic duties, she also serves on the Council of the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences, South Africa, as well as on the Committee of the Southern African Human Genome Program. She is an editorial board member of Human Genomics and OMICS. Welcome to the show, Prof Varnick. Thank you. It is a great pleasure to be on the show. We're looking forward to the conversation and um, to hear more about the work that you do and, and some of your fields of interest. So to begin with, as Dean for the Faculty of Science at Stellenbosch University, please tell us more about some of the departments that are housed in the faculty. So we are a typical faculty of science with departments in all the basic sciences. So that would include mathematical sciences such as pure mathematics, applied mathematics and computer science, physics, chemistry and polymer science which is unique to Stellenbosch University, um, earth sciences, botany and zoology, physiological sciences, biochemistry and microbiology. So quite a mouthful. Eight departments in total. And it covers such a broad spectrum. I think you know, science is, is involved in absolutely every facet of life. Yes, that's true. And this is what makes it um, quite an interesting position to be in for me. Uh, I'm a biological scientist by training, but um, in my current position, I get to work with mathematicians, chemists, etc. So it really is a fascinating world, which just emphasizes how fascinating science is. And as a discipline, science is renowned for making tremendous life-changing discoveries. And in your faculty, you've, you've said there's eight departments, a broad spectrum. You house numerous specialized researchers. So can you tell us a bit about some of the more significant collaborations or research projects that the teams are working on? Yes, there are many in almost every department. I can mention a couple of examples, but um, I would like to highlight um, the work that is being done in our department of botany and zoology and specifically in a center of excellence for biological invasions where they were the lead authors of the first national status report on biological invasions in the country um, just recently. So biological invasions, of course, is a big problem um, for many reasons, but uh, amongst others for uh, challenging our biodiversity. And uh, this was quite an important report. And then in that same department, uh, scientists were also involved in studying uh, the great white sharks. And from their research results, we know that the population of the great whites is much smaller than anticipated. And 
following from that research is another excellent innovative um, approach to protecting beaches. Um, this is a project called the Safe Shark Barrier, uh, which they are currently developing. And then in chemistry as well as biochemistry, they're working, working on alternatives for um, antifungal, antimicrobial um, agents, so uh, to address uh, all the uh, infectious epidemics. So there are numerous uh, examples, and I think we can spend uh, a couple of hours on highlighting all of these. Yes, I would say no day must ever be the same for you. No, certainly not. Um, we, of course, also have uh, many students, and it is also uh, quite a privilege to see how they develop from uh, sort of unsecure first-year students until they graduate, and then some of them continue with post-grad studies and um, really develop into um, scientists in their own right. So um, it is and remains a big privilege to be involved um, in these students' lives. And all of these research areas that you touched on, they've all got an impact on, on the real world. So whatever you know, choices that the students make as they graduate from their studies and move into the place of, to the world of work, there's opportunities for them. Yes, um, definitely. Um, and uh, with the fourth industrial revolution and the changing world of work, we, of course, try to equip them with skills um, to be able to, to participate in that future world of work. Um, also, not only to participate, also to be leaders. Um, so apart from the technical and knowledge um, skills that they need to develop, uh, we also try to uh, embed some graduate attributes, as we call them, which would be genetic skills that they would need to be um, effective and successful in the future world of work. That would be critical thinking, lifelong learning, uh, being able to work in teams, etc. Today we're talking to Professor Louise Varnick, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Science at Stellenbosch University. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Staying on the theme of education and studies, you obtained your MSc and PhD degrees in human genetics, and your personal research interests focus on genetic variation in pharmacogenes in South African populations and the applications of pharmacogenomics and other platforms to optimize therapies in schizophrenia. First of all, can you tell us what led you to pursue genetics? What was the interest there? So as an undergrad student, I had genetics as one of my subjects. And right from the start, uh, I was quite interested to learn about 
the role of genetics in disease and how a single gene defect which can be a one base pair change or a mutation can actually cause a disease uh, that can be passed on from one generation to the next. So uh, that was really intriguing and I decided to pursue this as my field of study for postgrad studies. And can you tell us more about the field of pharmacogenomics? Did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, yes, that is perfect. Um, yes, so pharmacogenetics, I must first explain, is um, we, we study the contribution of genetics to the difference that we see in how people respond to medication. So we all know that if you look at any two patients with the same uh, disease or same symptoms, when they receive medication, offer, they differ in how they would respond to this medication. Uh, some people would respond well, get better, while others will have to take a higher dosage before they see the same results. Or other people may sometimes um, experience side effects. Uh, which can be quite um, ineffective for long-term treatment. So we know that um, when one takes medication, this medication is metabolized by enzymes in the body and um, the medication also has to be transported um, between cells, etc. So this is done by enzymes, proteins that are coded for by genes. And because we have uh, different genetic makeups, um, we know we have different eye colors, etc. also due um, because of genetic differences between individuals. Uh, the same is true for these uh, genes, the so-called pharmacogenes that are involved with um, metabolizing and transporting medication. So in pharmacogenetics, we try to identify those genetic differences that will be able to explain why people respond differently to medication. And ultimately, um, this will be used by clinicians to decide on what drug is best for a specific individual and at what dosage that individual should receive this medication. So there are a couple of success stories already, um, but for some um, medications uh, we still have to do more work uh, before we will be able to offer such genetic testing. So it goes down to, you know, as you said, the, the, the molecular level on being able to improve the efficiency and efficacy of pharmaceuticals that people take as, as, as drugs for, for certain diseases. Yes, that's absolutely right. And um, they are, apart just from the specific drugs, one can also um, look at uh, the 
effects of the environment because if you take medication, of course, the environment also plays a, a role, your diet, for instance, etc. And um, it is therefore not um, that simple uh, to design proper tests for some of the medications. Um, but as I said, there are already a couple of success stories. And as we learn more um, from our genomes, uh, we hope to offer more of these tests um, as scientists in future. In South Africa, and in Africa, it is important to study our genomes because we know that um, we have um, unique genetic variants in some of these genes uh, that are not in other populations in other parts of the world. So currently there are numerous research projects uh, going on all over the continent um, to study um, our specific genetic variants so that we can also offer um, these pharmacogenetic tests uh, for African populations in future. And does that all fit into the Southern African Human Genome Program? Yes, that was a project that we sort of um, completed the first phase um, two years ago, I think, and that was specifically to look at um, the genetic profiles of our unique populations in South Africa uh, because um, up till very recently we have not known much about our unique uh, genetic inheritance and it is very exciting uh, because um, we have a wonderful um, genetic uh, populations uh, to speak uh, uh, of in such a way of our populations in South Africa. Um, so um, the huge genetic diversity and um, as South African African uh, scientists uh, we also see the huge opportunity to make a difference in our population's lives uh, by using our knowledge of our local populations in this regard. You mentioned some of the opportunities as, as let's say, career choices in the various uh, research outputs that the, the institution has put together. So whether we're looking at aspects of biodiversity, studies on great white sharks, to protecting beaches, to developing antifungal and microbial agents. Science is everywhere. And when we look towards the future, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics subjects have been cited as being pivotal for jobs of the future. But when you look at various reports on the number of women or girls that are embarking on these roles, they tend to be underrepresented in the discipline. And obviously, this is going to be creating a gap and a disadvantage for work and job opportunities in the new world. Do you think that the South African environment is supportive enough towards enduring and, and, and starting to cultivate female scientists? 
Yes, you're quite right. Um, we still have a long way to go. Um, but I think there are numerous projects and um, approaches to address this problem. Um, just to mention a few, um, the National Research Foundation, or the NRF, is doing um, a lot in this respect, I would say. Uh, for instance, um, the new policy for uh, postgraduate bursaries would require that at least 55% of students receiving um, some of their bursaries should be women um, scientists. And uh, there are also other programs. Um, there was um, a call for uh, research chairs um, a couple of years ago, and that specific round was only for women scientists. And some of the uh, programs giving grants to researchers uh, also, like the Tutuka program, also take into account that some women uh, can only work um, in half-day positions or five-eight positions because they still have to take care of small children. So they allow those women also to uh, apply for grants and uh, they can uh, also participate still in the research, although they also have to take care of the small children. So they're creating opportunities so that women don't get left behind and that they're not necessarily traditional opportunities, but it allows people to progress nonetheless. Yes, that's true. And I think what is also important is to celebrate successes of women scientists because the one thing that I do believe we need is more role players, role models uh, for um, the younger generation. And in that respect, there are also various opportunities. Um, there is an annual uh, uh, Women in Science event where uh, young and upcoming scientists are recognized, more established scientists are recognized, etc. So there are various uh, programs, but Yes, we, we're making some progress, but we are not there yet. And if I can just uh, comment on one specific aspect, what we're seeing is that in the biological sciences, there are more uh, women scientists now. So during my career um, at university, I've seen how the number of um, female academics have increased in biological sciences. But in the mathematical sciences, so pure mathematics, computer science, even physics, um, there are not that many women scientists yet. And even at undergrad level, uh, we still don't see enough women. Um, for instance, um, I think uh, on based on 2017 data, um, for all 26 tertiary education institutions in South Africa, only 36% of students 
in mathematical and computer sciences were women. So that is a big concern and we really need to increase that number because I've previously referred to the fourth industrial revolution that will change um, industry and the world of work um, tremendously. And we know that many of the skills that will be needed um, for those new positions will be in mathematical sciences, computer science, etc. So it is quite important to encourage our women to also venture into those fields because we don't want them to be unemployed in the future world of work. Absolutely, they need that encouragement and um, to be uh, contributing meaningfully to society. Yes. You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band. Also available on DSTV channel 802. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. Today, we're talking to Professor Louise Varnick, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Science at Stellenbosch University. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. August marks a period where South Africa celebrates Women's Month. Marking the years that women struggled, reflecting on the progress that women have achieved, in your opinion, what areas do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? Well, um, there are, I think, in almost every sphere, I, I can speak for science, but I think in every aspect we need... Um, to promote women, um, I think we still see a lack of women in leadership positions, uh, although we have also seen some progress in uh, many fields. But um, I think we cannot sit back yet and say that we... um, have arrived, so I think more programs to promote women, uh, specifically in leadership positions to uh, develop um, leadership uh, qualities, etc., is quite important. And yes, in specifically in Africa, uh, where we have seen uh, so much inequality um, in the past, um, also gender inequalities, 
we really need to address these disproportions in numerous ways. And it can't start at tertiary education level. I think it has to start much earlier to also encourage um, girl child to um, consider a career in science, I would promote, but of course there are also uh, many other opportunities. Looking at that, and if you can cast your mind back to when you were a young girl, could you share with us some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up in, in terms of what influenced you to become who you are? Um, looking at my own history, when I grew up, um, I think my parents played a very important role um, in my development and also um, in stimulating my interest in science specifically. Um, I can remember uh, as a small child uh, going with my parents uh, for a walk um, in a nature reserve, um, looking at all the wonderful uh, biodiversity that we have. And I can also recall my father buying a small chemistry set for me um, when there was a final sale of the toys at a local store. So although we were not uh, regarded as a rich family, um, my parents made huge sacrifices for us uh, to, in, yeah, to expose us to um, different opportunities and also to um, send us to university. So parents, first of all, I think can play a very important role. But teachers from primary school teachers um, can also play a big role. And especially in encouraging um, the young girls in their classes to also consider um, exciting careers in science, engineering, law, medicine, you name it. Um, there is no um, limitation. So I think the sooner the girl child can understand that the world is open for her as much as it is for anyone else, the better. Who would you say have been some of the strong women in your life? Um, I would say my mother was uh, pretty much uh, a big influence on me. Um, she was a, a primary school teacher, so um, although she didn't work full-time, um, she did um, demonstrate to me that um, as a woman, you can work um, as well as be a good mother. 
And, yeah, unfortunately, I must say, as a student at university in those days when I was a student, we didn't have many female lecturers. So all the professors um, that uh, lectured me were male professors. Um, but, of course, one uh, meets different uh, women scientists when you start to go to conferences, etc. But the one uh, woman scientist that really stands out for me, although um, I could never meet her for obvious reasons, would be Marie Curie, um, who was um, yeah, absolute phenomenal woman, won two Nobel Prizes, and um, yeah, she has always been um, an inspirational role model for me. It's um, interesting that you say that because often, you know, we think of role models as as people that we can relate to, that we can yes. pick up the phone and have a conversation with or, or, or jot down an email. But yes. for someone who, who lived a couple of, uh, you know, many, many years ago that yes. are not alive, but to still have such a important impact on, on society and, and particularly girls, I think it's really important. No, it is because, yeah, we now, um, in the current time, we still see our um, women scientists um, struggle. And so, yeah, I can just imagine in her time how difficult it must have been. But in spite of all the challenges that she had to face, she made this huge success of her career. So that, that to me, is quite inspirational. And I think that is something that we need to remind ourselves of constantly. Yes, there will be challenges. Um, different people have different challenges in their lives. Uh, but if you're passionate about something and you really love what you're doing, um, I do believe that somehow you will work around those challenges and will be able to make a success. And what would you say have been some of the best lessons that you've learned throughout your career? As a scientist, I would say networking is very important. Um, because science is complex and very few scientists can come up with solutions to the problems that we face on their own. So networking is very important. It is a team effort. And that would uh, often require that you collaborate with international scientists because we can all contribute something and together uh, we will find a solution quicker than uh, trying to work on your own. So networking is very important. But um, I would also say specifically for younger uh, scientists, um, mentors are also uh, quite important. So speak to people who have already uh, walked the route and get some advice from them. 
You don't always need to follow their advice, but um, they can help to point out uh, specific solutions that you may not be able to see. So mentors also very important um, in anyone's career. And I've been fortunate to have many mentors throughout my career. Those are good lessons. Now, lastly, as we close out our conversation today, could you please share a few words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young ladies listening to us on the continent? I would say that um, science and technology and innovation will play an important role um, to make South Africa, but any other country on our continent, uh, internationally competitive um, and will contribute to ensuring a better future for all of us. Because if we think of many of the challenges that we face currently, climate change, uh, disease epidemics, water and energy challenges, uh, science and technology and innovation will help to address those. But um, it is important that we all contribute um, to solving these problems. Uh, we have to mine the capacity of the entire population, not only half of the population. And therefore, it is important for women to also contribute uh, because together we can do so much more. And therefore, I think it is the interest of all of us to recruit more women scientists um, to help us address these global issues. Thank you so much. I think that, you know, you've highlighted some of the fantastic opportunities um, within the science, technology, engineering and, and mathematics space that hopefully our, our young ladies listening to us will, will take that on board as the, the way of the future. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure to take part and thank you for the opportunity. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Professor Louise Varnick, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Science at Stellenbosch University.